we are now going to uh, turn our attention uh, to these trials um, going on in the United States, a Rittenhouse trial actually done now um, with a, a verdict, a divided nation uh, was on hand, outrage on uh, the one hand and on the other hand, celebrating the fact that on Friday, November 19th, Kyle Rittenhouse, a white 18 year old who murdered two protesters and seriously injured a third back in 2020 was found not guilty on all five counts he was charged with. The jury had just one uh, black member and reached a verdict after about 25 hours of deliberation. Let's go now to get here some reaction um, in Kenosha, Wisconsin to the verdict. And that's followed by a short piece from Al Sharpton on the uh, Rittenhouse uh, verdict. This is another instance where uh, we get to see privilege at work. That's scary to think that not only police can, can get away with this type of stuff, but citizens can do this type of stuff and use the same copy and paste excuses that police do. That, is, that should be concerning to every American of color. This is America. And in America, you can arm a 17-year-old and send them out into the streets to act pretty much as police, as stand-in police. We know that not to be true for our communities. I mean, you can, I could be 34 years old and be open carrying and get stopped and um, treated differently. So Trayvon Martin, uh, Ma Aubrey, these are all instances similar to this case where someone else decided who's the, who the criminal is, whether it's factual or not, and took matters into their own hands. You have people who, regardless of what evidence they see, they feel that Kyle's a hero. I'm here to be an agitator for Black Lives Matter. I like antagonizing them. And they were saying, no, he's guilty. And I'm like, could we just, like, enter a time warp or something? There's a courtroom, there's a judge, there's evidence, there's witnesses, there's cross-examination, and there's a jury. So if you want to get it down to the absolute bottom line, the judge is a judge of law. The jury is a judge of facts. I did get to see the people honking their horns in front of the courthouse. Everybody was happy. It was definitely a atmosphere of elation and relief. I'm sad to, that we're the center of this. I think it, um, all the troubles that are going around across the nation seem to settle here in this uh, small town and it's we want everyone gone <laughs> I don't believe what you see on the media is reflective of our city I think we are a city that works together that is overall a peaceful city with with a, a good place to raise a family and live and um, what has been going on this year I think Kenosha is getting a very bad rap, and what you're seeing is not who we are. I think we're forgetting that the whole context of Rittenhouse coming there was around a protest of a police brutality right. uh, situation. And this was not like a guy was defending himself at his house. He came to confront a situation of protest. And those kind of protests, I think Vice President Harris is familiar with. And I think that many of us that do protest, as you say, I hit National Action Network, are concerned that you send a signal now mm -hmm. that people can come into a protest and exacerbate a situation or get involved in right. a situation and kill people and say, I was just defending myself. That's very frightening. 
Right. Uh, very frightening indeed. Al Sharpton with the National Action uh, Network. And I'd like to uh, welcome uh, back to Sojourner Truth, the Reverend Dr. Monica L. Cummings, Assistant Minister at Bradford Community Church Unitarian Universalist in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, Reverend Cummings, thank you for joining us. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning. How are you? Hey, just just hanging in there with you know all of this happening, um, the 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 verdict, the Rittenhouse verdict, and now Amand um, Arbery, you know we're listening. Uh, the the closing arguments are going on even as we are talking right now. But give us your reaction to the b- verdict. What do you think the the message and the significance of the Rittenhouse verdict is? Well, it, 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 thank you for having me on your show again. It's, it's very significant. Um, this isn't exactly about the, you know, First Amendment versus Second Amendment rights, but it definitely flavors um, people's comfort in terms of who can show up to a peaceful protest armed with a military-style weapon. So the significance is, as Reverend Al said, as many people have said, concern here in Kenosha by activists is, are we safe at protests? Um, are we safe in our community protesting, exercising our First Amendment rights um, without the fear that armed vigilantes will show up to our community with mil- military-style weapons? And, and, you know, the line for both police and now for civilians is, I felt threatened they reached for my gun, so I had to shoot. And so, you know... There's, there's a lot of concern that the Second Amendment is eating the First Amendment, and the First Amendment comes first for a reason. And so that's one of the, I think, most important points. But this was a murder trial. This was the murder trial for someone who was then 17, and I'm not going to say his name because I don't think he deserves to have his name said. Um, this was the murder trial for a 17-year-old who came to Kenosha from another state, who was called to Kenosha from another state by a white national, white national, supposedly to protect property and people, and that's not what transpired that night. Yeah, and I mean the idea. You know, I was just on a a, a call yesterday, and um, someone was kind of making the case. Well, you know, looking at the video, you know, um, you could really see that it was self-defense and and kind of defending in a way the the acquittal, you know, on five counts. And we have to keep in mind that this young man, um, the the first person that he shot, from what I understand, threw a plastic bag at him. So you shoot somebody and kill them because they're shooting a plastic bag at you. And the other thing about it is that uh, the young man who um, allegedly hit him on the head or whatever with a skateboard, I mean, clearly these are people who were trying to stop an active shooter, someone they saw as an active shooter. It used to be that that would be considered a heroic act and not one for which you would be shot and killed. But also, 
uh, Reverend Cummings, you can't help but go way back to the Trayvon uh, Martin trial and these stand your ground laws that have swept the nation. I think now about 35 or 36 states uh, have it. And then the, the Trump White House fanning the flames of, of all of this. So, of course, you know, people are going to likely give pause to, am I going to go out to that protest or not? Increasingly, as people are showing up with long guns, um, yeah. Reverend Cummings. Yeah. And, and that is significant because I'm also, besides being the assistant minister for Bradford UU, um, I'm also part of the Religious Leaders Caucus of Cush Congregations United to Serve Humanity. And there are folks, you know, ministers, they've heard from congregants, like, I'm afraid to go out and protest now. Um, I'm concerned about, you know, whether or not it'll turn violent. And, and you're right, bringing up Trayvon Martin. His, his killer stalked him, and, and when he was confronted, you know, said pretty much the same thing. He reached for my gun. I felt in danger of my life, so I had to shoot. And in terms of an active shooter, you're also correct on that point. You know, um, Anthony and Gage thought that, you know, either witnessed or, or through word of mouth heard that this guy had just shot someone and possibly killed them. And so they thought they were being good citizens to apprehend him. And then for that to turn into, well, he can, he can um, plead self-defense. And, and clearly get away with it. So, it, it, you know, the law, as we know, the law was set up to do exactly what we saw do. So, you know, I hear people say the law is broken. And my response is the law is not broken. It is, it is working perfectly the way it was designed. You go way back to when, when, people, when people of African descent were enslaved in this country and white males were deputized and were given the power to take up arms to track down um, the enslaved who were trying to run for their freedom. We see it with the lynch mobs that were given a wink and a nod by the authorities, you know, to, to lynch um, black people. And so vigilante justice goes, it, it's in the DNA of this country. And so for a white male to pick up arms to, um, to exact, the, you know, justice for um, you know, for whatever cause he, he believes in is part of the DNA of this country and its history. Absolutely. And the, we know that the, there were protests uh, following um, the verdict in Kenosha. We understand that there was a Heal Kenosha um, event that happened, prayer vigil on Friday night. Um, Portland, Oregon, uh, of course, much more um, militant. Protesters were out there. The sheriff's office declared a riot. Um, and we know that in Portland, following George Floyd protests, they were out on the streets for like 100 days um, in a row. And much of that, quote unquote, turning violent, a lot, some people say provoked. Uh, violence in New York City. Hundreds of demonstrators marched across the Brooklyn Bridge and, and gathered outside the Barclays Center in Brooklyn with, with signs. Some people also blocked the Brooklyn uh, Bridge in Oakland, California. There were protests also in the Midwest, in Chicago, Columbus, Ohio, and uh, in Los Angeles and, and other places. But, you know, um, Reverend Cummings, you do see uh, the protests uh, more muted than you saw, for example, after, you know, the, the killing of George Floyd. 
And there, the level of attack happening in our communities right now, I mean, with these trials, the danger of people feeling that they could be shot and killed, right, just for exercising their uh, First Amendment rights, the voter suppression uh, laws that are happening, nothing being done about the, the out-of-control uh, mass incarceration. So there's a lot happening on people right now. But what what do you see in terms of uh, the the movement as it stands now, movement for justice in Kenosha? Well, and, and you're right. We did have a, a lot of vigils here um, Friday night. Um, two organizations, Black Leaders of Communities and LOC, Leaders of, of Kenosha, um, hosted from the time the verdict was announced, um, well, from the time the verdict was announced through the weekend, hosted a gathering where there was a grill going and, you know, just tables of food. And um, I led a couple of yoga classes during the week um, there to bring the community. It was a place to bring the community together away from the courthouse, which turned into a circus. Um, to allow people to process, to allow people to be in community, and just to just to to cry, and in a safe space, and and begin the healing process, which, as you know, will be one breath and one day at a time. Um, here in Kenosha, now where we try, where there's a campaign, reimagine Kenosha, and looking at you know boycotting the car dealer who invited the, the militia into Kenosha to supposedly protect his property. And on the stand, the guy said, we had no intention on shooting anyone to protect his property. So it begs the question, then if you had no intention to shoot anyone who would, for example, try to break into the building or set cars on fire, then why were they really here um, if, if their intent was not to, to fire the weapons at anyone? And so reimagine Kenosha, you know, is advocating to boycott that car dealership and, um, and all their properties um, to, to, again, have people focus on voting. Because I don't know if you mentioned the judge, you know, there are people who feel, and I feel the same way, that when the judge said that Anthony and JoJo cannot be called victims, but could be called rioters, arsonists, and looters, but could not be called victims even though they're, they were murdered, um, had his thumb, not even his thumb, he had his whole hand on the, the scale of justice. And so one of the things that's being advocated is to get people out and vote because judges are voted in here in Kenosha. Get people out to vote for the mayor um, who was incompetent throughout the summer of 2020 um, after Jacob Blake was shot seven times in the back. Um, and so uh, organizing the community to reimagine, to be begin healing the, uh, the healing process because we've been going through this now for like 15 months and people are tired. Uh, folks are exhausted. Um, and so just reimagine a Kenosha where um, we have a good relationship with the police. Um, we have a good relationship with merchants. We have a good relationship with one another as we move forward. Right. You know what, um, Reverend Cummings, hold that thought because we have Barbara Arnwine, who is just in the courthouse, the courtroom, where the final, um, you know, arguments were given in the Armand Aubrey case trial. I'd like to welcome her on, but you stay with us, um, Reverend uh, Cummings. And uh, I'd now like to uh, welcome back to Sojourner Truth, uh, Barbara Arnwine, veteran civil rights and human rights leader and advocate 
president and founder of the Transformative uh, Justice uh, Coalition. She's been doing this work for decades. Uh, she's been arrested so many times. She's been sitting in the courtroom and, and uh, lending support to the family of um, Ahmad Aubrey Barbara. Welcome back. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I am literally talking to you from the steps of the courthouse here in Glen County, uh, where the Ahmad Arbery trial is concluding. Uh, as we are about to have the judge instruct the jury, and the jury will start its deliberations today. So this is a major day in this case. And, and tell us, if anything, you want to share about what happened in the courthouse yes. today. Yes. Uh, today, the uh, prosecution, the state, finished its uh, a closing argument. And I want you to know that Linda Donikoski, who is the um, prosecutor for the district of, uh, for, I'm sorry, for the Cobb County, uh, which is actually handling this case, was magnificent. She was at her best. I thought it was, uh, if you were grading a closing argument, it, it was an A. She was absolutely superb in pointing out how they murdered this young man for no good reason and pointing out the bias that had to, and the malice that underlied uh, the work that they did. She was absolutely 100% on her game. It was a brilliantly laid out argument. I recommend it to anybody who wants to really understand this case and what happened. Uh, you will want to go and see her two-hour closing argument from this morning. Right, and and from the the point of view of um, the uh, the lawyer who really tried to dehumanize Ahmad uh, yes. yesterday, I think, and and to blame yes. him for his own death, and then talking about his dirty toenails. I Come know. on now, Arnwine, your oh. thoughts? Oh. Yes. Oh no, they see, they want to dehumanize him. They want to make him into some kind of animal. Uh, to try to justify this inhumane slaying. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, Ahmad was just a regular kid, and he was just a regular 25-year-old, you know, running, and they can't get a past that. You know, there's no narrative they can point to that could justify it because nobody saw his feet <laughs> when he was running. Uh, nobody could see his toenails. I mean, it was just irrelevant, but it showed you how desperate they were to try to appeal to the white women jurors, which is what the defense has done in this case. They've been, uh, because the majority of this jury are white women, uh, they have been trying to appeal to them by trying to make them fear, fear Ahmad, to see Ahmad as some kind of you know, horrible uh, danger. When he was not, he was just a kid running, so jogging through their neighborhood who would step into this construction house because he was fascinated by it. He never took a thing. In fact, if you watch those videos of him, and I recommend people do, in the construction house, you will see that he's not even looking for anything. There are boxes. There are all kinds of uh, items there that if you were a thief, you would be looking through. Instead, he is just looking at the building, looking at the construction because he was an electrician, and he was fascinated to see what they were doing, and he was daydreaming. 
daydreaming for his parents because he wanted to build them a home. So in any event, it is just has been an amazing case uh, because uh, they have tried to make the victim the, you know, the, the attacker when he was nothing but a young person trying to live his life, trying to you know, find his way, getting ready to start school again, college again, had just gotten his sister, by the way, to complete her master's degree. He was her main support. They said this young man was so generous that he would give you the shirt off his back, that that's the kind of person he was. Mm -hmm. So you can really understand the loss we have suffered, not only because he's dead, but we lost a really extraordinary young man. And it's tragic that racism played a role. And I think the prosecution did a good job of using their own words to show their racist uh, motivations here in this case. Absolutely. And then, um, you know, the they kept trying to say, well, the, what, are, what are all these black ministers showing up? I mean, that's unbelievable, <laughs> trying to ban black preachers. And, and then I was glad to see that they showed up en masse right after that uh, to the courthouse and held something out, outside the court. So this, I mean, the, the racist uh, aspect of it and that dirty tone thing that's just a racist trope you know because you know black folks you know we just we're, we're dirty you know what i mean just a dirty n-word if you know what i mean that's what she was trying to to say mean uh -huh. unnecessary uh, but just remember that uh kevin goff who has moved uh that he's the defense attorney who is who made those horrible comments about the black pastors but also remember that he has filed at least six motions trying to ev uh, to eviscerate as he says the first amendment rights of the transformative justice coalition my organization from being out here on the grounds because we have been rallying the brunswick community when we started Nobody was out here helping this family, but we now have, you know, if you could, I guess I wish you could see it. We have people coming every day, standing up with the family, giving them support, uh, and he hates it. He hates seeing the Transformative Justice Coalition here, so he's called us a mob, a lynch mob, all kinds of things, uh, and has tried to uh, evict us from the courthouse ground. So when he did the black pastor's uh, comments, I wasn't surprised. In fact, I was waiting for him. I knew he was going to lose his mind when he saw Reverend William Barber, Reverend Sharpton, Reverend Jesse Jackson. I knew he was going to lose his mind because he's a racist. And it's just unfortunate that he was the public defender for years. Uh, can you imagine all the poor African-American uh, clients and what happened to them under his, quote, leadership? Uh, I heard that a whole lot of people are serving time they shouldn't be. So anyway, uh, this is one of those issues of you know massive law enforcement corruption. So much is happening in, underneath this case. We got to you know continue to unravel it. But I am hopeful that the jury will do the right thing. She sure gave them the tools. She sure gave them the information. She sure uh, did a great job giving them the analysis and pointing out how they are, in fact, guilty. So I think it's going to, uh, it shouldn't be a hard reach for this jury, but you never know, especially when it's an almost all-white jury. You never know. Right, and, and uh, 
Barbara Arnwright, it just so happens before you came on, we have the Reverend Monica Cummings, who is yes. in Kenosha. Um, her church is in, oh, yes. in Kenosha. And uh, Reverend Cummings, uh, I wonder if you just want to give any thoughts you have on this particular uh, our trial, because you're dealing with the, the Rittenhouse verdict, and then a, a quick final thought from you, uh, Barbara Arnwine. Uh Reverend Cummings. Well, and I do, and, and the thread that connects them is people, gun violence against people who supposedly are seen as a threat. And Ahmad is African-American, and while JoJo and Anthony were white, as we saw yes. during the Civil Rights Movement, white folks who side with people of color are considered race traitors, and they're That's fair correct. game. And so yes. there's definitely a thread that's running through both trials, and my prayer is that these three will be found guilty and be sent to jail for murdering an innocent uh, young man out for a morning jog. My goodness. Yeah, and uh, a fine... Thank you. A final word from you, um, um, yeah. um, uh, Barbara. And also, just Barbara, there's so many attacks happening in our community uh, right yeah. now, but you see the movement is continuing to, to do what it can and grow and build. Barbara Arnwine. Final. That's correct, and that's why we're here in Glenn County. That's why I'm talking to you from the courthouse steps here, and I just want people to know that if you go to social media and look up Repairs of the Breach, and you look up Transformative Justice Coalition, you will find our flyer that we're going to put out uh, this afternoon because tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock a.m. Eastern, we're having a prayer service for the Arbery case and, of course, you know, for the losses of, in Kenosha. You know, our hearts, for those of us who love justice, all of these cases, Julius Jones, all these cases are connected, and we will never, ever stop fighting for justice. My heart breaks just looking at Tamir Rice's picture from yesterday on his anniversary. So I just want everybody to know that this justice fight is one that we all must be involved in. We all must fight to make the criminal justice system a much better and real system for all Americans, and no, no racial injustice should dominate our criminal justice system. Right. On that note, we are going to have to leave it there. Barbara Arnwine, thank you so much for stepping out of the court there to speak with us, the Reverend Monica L. Uh, Cummings.